a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Twenty twenty has been a year to adapt, but through the chaos, faith is one thing individuals are holding on to. This hour, quarantined faith with our host, Maria Chaleos, on KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and eleven sixty AM. 2020 has posed many challenges for all of us, including in the practicing of our faith. As many are aware, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints held spring conference virtually in the midst of a COVID outbreak. Who could have known that a large shift would soon occur in worship services and many faiths would be forced to adapt to a new way of worshiping? President Russell M. Nelson explained last May the importance of keeping the faith alive and taking steps with caution. During these months of the COVID-19 pandemic, as the world has grappled with unprecedented challenges, I have marveled at the countless examples of faith, courage, and Christ-like love that I have seen. We are grateful for the helpful direction that government, health, and civic leaders have provided to keep us safe. And we will continue to be prayerful and proceed with an abundance of caution. Your safety and well-being will always be our utmost concern. The church has utilized online practices as a great tool to stay connected and has even started to bring some members back together through a phased reopening of temple worship and member activities. As all of the chaos has unfolded through 2020, President Russell M. Nelson emphasized that hope is not lost. Meanwhile, we rejoice in the peace that radiates from the Lord Jesus Christ. It will continue to fill us with hope and joy. In the last hour, Boyd Matheson took us through the many ways the church has adapted through this past year. In this special, we will explore a variety of faiths to see how they have adapted to the quarantine and what worship may look like for them in the future. Let's start with Reverend Dr. Oscar T. Moses from the Calvary Baptist Church. Reverend Moses, describe for us the challenges you have faced during the pandemic and how they have impacted your faith. It has impacted my faith from the standpoint that it has uh, caused me to depend more on God. Uh, in times like this, there is a, um, a passage of Scripture that says, I will look to the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. And this is a season where uh, we recognize that God is in control, uh, that He's absolutely providential, and that our direction, my guidance, my encouragement uh, comes directly from the Lord. So it has been a challenging season. I don't think, you know, there's not a book out there on how pastors should should navigate their, their way through a pandemic. So um, it's, it's a walk of faith. It's a pilgrimage of faith where I'm trusting God to 
do the right thing uh, as it relates to trying to keep the members connected, not to move too soon, but to be patient and to, to listen for his voice and direction as to how to lead the congregation through this trying time. How have you met some of the challenges with providing services? What are you doing to have that connection with the people in your parish? One of the things that I've uh, always believed in was establishing partnerships. Um, They're extremely useful in uh, times like this. One of the things we've done, we've partnered with um, Pastor Corey Hodges from The Point Church. And um, World Vision had a program where they were able to give us fresh produce and meat. And so uh, the point became the hub. Calvary partnered with the point where we came and got food and food, uh, produce and, and meat from them. And then we opened up on Saturdays for the members of people in the community that needed food and produce to come. And so we serviced probably... 300 people, uh, up as far as up until last Saturday. It was like a six- to eight-week program. Community Faces of Utah, that's been a partnership where uh, different organizations around Salt Lake uh, or Utah that um, I want to say cater to health needs or mental needs or uh, and different rep- rep- representatives from, uh, from Salt Lake, we gather around through social media, uh, through, through a Zoom meeting once a month, and try to connect uh, our services to people in the community. So that's been very advantageous, Community Faces of Utah. I just recently met with an organization within the community that's serviced uh, heroin and opioid addiction. And so, you know, even during times like this, people are succumbing to all type of vices and they need help. And so this recent partnership would be uh, advantageous for, you know, for those people that are, that are suffering through addiction. And so it just opens up another arm for us to help people. So moving forward, the social media aspect has been our main vein to stay in touch through uh, the sermons on Sunday, through the Bible studies on Tuesday. We do a Zoom Bible study, a Zoom Sunday school. Here recently we just uh, talked with the Board of Leaders about, uh, you know, even hiring uh, a, a, a communications director. Uh, someone to help us uh, stay connected, not only with the membership, but to stay connected with the broader community. Right. So at this point, you aren't doing any sort of in-person church services. Uh, we have been taping the sermon on Thursday uh, for, for months. We've been, uh, when I got back to Salt Lake in June, after we, I made the final move with my family, we started uh, having uh, the taping, the sermon tape on Sunday on Sunday. And the only people that were there were the video ministry. So it's probably about eight people in there. And so a, a little, about a month or so after that, we opened it up for seniors. And so we have some seniors that are not, that don't have access to, you know, Facebook, social media and stuff like that. And so we opened it up to about 15 seniors and that was, you know, a tremendous blessing for them. And also for me, because I've been preaching in a room to myself or two or three people for the last seven months. So now we're, we're entertaining uh, the idea, of course, with our leadership of how to reopen softly uh, with uh, 50 people or less. And, and just, you know, as a pilot, I want to say a pilot uh, experiment 
to see how we can best open up softly and maybe even, you know, have some other alternatives. So that's where we're at right now. Last Sunday we had about eight or nine people in the uh in the congregation as I as I preached. And so, you know, we're just taking baby steps walking by faith. Describe for me what that's been like for you when you are used to having a, a dynamic uh, bunch of parishioners in your church mm-hmm. to go to um, giving a sermon uh, to social yeah. media or to just a couple of people. Yeah, it's it's a humbling it's a humbling affair. <laughs> I tell you, it's very humbling, uh, but also causes me to reflect on um, you know the, my real calling. You know, how, how does God want to utilize me uh, in this awkward? season. You know, how how does God get the glory out of this? Uh, how do I, how, how do I uh, decrease my will that his will might increase? Because of course I would, if, it, if I had my way, <laughs> we would be back in church and, you know, there would be no pandemic and everything would be peaches and cream, but it's just not the way that it is. So how do I diminish my will and ask the Lord to increase uh, his, his, his will in my life? And so it's a very humbling experience. There are some experiences in life that push you closer to God. And I've had several of them in my life. And this one is certainly one of those times where um, more prayer and more meditation and more reflecting on Scripture. Stay with us. Coming up following the break, we will continue our conversations with Reverend Moses from the Calvary Baptist Church. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Back to Quarantined Faith with Maria Chileos. Join Maria every afternoon from 3 till 7 here on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Quarantine Faith. We have been speaking with Reverend Moses of the Calvary Baptist Church. You were talking about some of the services you provide as far as food and other treatment for people who are suffering from addiction. But tell me, what is your community? What are you seeing in your community? What are they experiencing? And how has that become worse by COVID? Well, of course, in the African-American community, uh, we are hardest hit by this, uh, by this pandemic. Uh, it is the very, and I say pandemic on top of the pandemic, of systemic racism. And so, you know, it, you know, it is clear that this is a very uh, challenging time for people of faith, uh, black and white, uh, how we're going to navigate relationships during this time. You know, people are are very vocal as to their beliefs. And, you know, how do we come together communally as the community of faith to encourage each other, even on top of the racial pandemic? We can't um, ignore what's going on in the world. So the Bible studies have been specifically uh, tailored to teach the members how to survive in the pandemic, you know, how how, do, how we should treat one another as Christians. Uh, right now we're doing a series called What a Real Christian Looks Like. 
and it's taken from the fruit of the Spirit, which is found in Galatians 5. And so after we give the, uh, the context of the text, we have questions that are pertinent to, you know, real-life situations, whether they're uh, situations of racism, whether they're situations of not getting adequate health care, or, you know, whatever, whether it's police brutality, uh, whatever is, um, is, is relative to the people in the community of faith in which I serve. I, I know in my church uh, we've been extremely concerned about are people going to come back to church? Have people decided that it's really easy to watch the services on Zoom, and how is that going to impact us moving forward? Describe for me your concerns. Yeah, well, I have the very same concerns um, that some people will uh, get so comfortable with the social media that it, that works for them, you know, and that will be the new normal. But I, uh, I just believe that, and this, this is just me, I'm, you know, my personal uh, philosophy about church, I don't think church will ever be the same that it was. I think that we are moving towards a new normal uh, biblically, because, um, I, I, you know, I, I just don't believe, as it relates to the Word of God, that the church will not suffer persecution. And so as we're challenged with uh, some of the questions that, the hot-button issues that, that call for a biblical response, uh, I think that the church will become smaller and smaller. The true church will become smaller and smaller. And so that might be even advantageous because, you, you know, you might find the true core uh, at, at the end of this pandemic. You know, the people that, that decide to really come back or decide to really get involved or to uh, live that victorious Christian life, it might be a smaller number. And so we might have to rethink, reimagine the way we do ministry, um, scale it down to be more personable, uh, make the environment more comfortable for those who are serious about learning the Word of God and take a stand on what's wrong. And so, I, you know, I think this is just the beginning of the new church forming uh, post-pandemic. What would you say has been the positive to come out of what we're going through? Sure, I think this is a positive. I think that you know, the conversation that we're having right now is very positive. I think that it is, it is beneficial uh, for those conversations to con- continue because one of the things that I think that break down communi- or even expectations is lack of communication. And if we can communicate, you know, our concerns one to another, what do we expect from one another uh, in this situation, you know, then I think we'll, it'll, it'll minimize confusion. The conversation has changed. Uh, I think the conversation is much needed. It's not always comfortable, but I think it's beneficial. I'm I'm trying to imagine uh, we've gone through so much this year. I'm not just the pandemic, but the earthquake and hurricane force winds. And then to deal with such racism or to have it come to the forefront the way it has. I'm just trying to imagine what that has been like for your community. It just is a turmoil. Yeah, well, it, it is, you know, and th- there again, not only for some is shock, uh, and then for others that have probably been in situations that are, that are, that seem most so familiar, maybe it's not shocking, but I think that is, you know, as, as I said before, I think it causes for the community, our community of faith to continue to have a conversation. It is a time where, you know, you know, God has to do something. I mean, it's just crazy. You know, everything that's happening, the way it's unfolding in our government, you know, you, you, you're waiting sometimes for the other shoe to drop. And then, you know, God, how are you going to handle this? 
You know, and I think that's where our community of faith is. We're looking for God to do something. What? We just don't know how he's going to do it. We don't know how he's going to do it, but we just believe in the providence of God. And, you know, having said that providence, just believing that whatever's happening, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, that it's happening for our good, and that the end game will show the church victory. In the pandemic, the racism, the police brutality, it's real, you know, and it's a reality. When you've never passed it in a pandemic and you're the new guy and you're following uh, a civil rights icon and a model of ministry pastor such as France Davis, you know, you, you get a lot of uh, pushback sometimes. And so I, you know, I, I had some pushback even last week relative to um, the Bible study and one of the questions that had to deal with how would we respond to racism. And, uh, you know, person that was joining, joining into the, um, the discussion, um, you know, chastised me for bringing political viewpoints into uh, a theological context. And so, you know, my response was, you know, Jesus preached from the center. He preached from the center. Uh, where two or three are gathered, I'll be in the midst. And there are those that probably preach or look at the Bible from the margins. In other words, it, it's a safe place. It doesn't challenge me. I could, I could relax in my privilege without getting involved in what's happening in the center. In the community of faith that I serve, we experience what happens in the center. We're in the midst of racism. We're in the midst of a pandemic. And so the theological lens that I have to present has to be true but it also has to have a hermeneutic or a worldview that the people that I'm preaching and teaching to understand. And this is our reality. You know, how does God come into our life? How does he get involved in the center of racism? How does he get involved in the center of police brutality? Where is God when I need him in those things? And so that's, that's the, uh, the model of ministry that I'm trying to, to implement at Calvary and uh, you know, just thankful for the opportunity and thankful for even the challenges that I faced with before. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us, Reverend. Coming up, we will speak with Kamal Ahmed, a community member who is part of the Islamic Society of Greater Salt Lake. He will give us insight on his faith and how he's kept it alive while being required to social distance. has been a year to adapt, but through the chaos, faith is one thing individuals are holding on to. This hour, Quarantined Faith with our host, Maria Chileos, on KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back to our conference special on Quarantine Faith. We are joined by Kamal Ahmed, who is a member of the Islamic Society of Greater Salt Lake. As stated in the Society's mission statement, the membership lives their faith inspired by the teachings of the Quran and the Prophet Muhammad. The Society strives to build bridges of cooperation, mutual respect, and understanding among faiths. Kamal, describe for us the challenges you've experienced during the pandemic. That is a very great question. So we pray five times a day, and it's considered uh, very rewarding in our religion to pray at the at the masjid 
at the mosque for as many prayers as he can. There are many who pray five times a day at the masjid, as early as five in the morning and as late as nine, ten p.m. I personally enjoy praying in the masjid as well, and not being able to do that because of COVID has been very interesting. Just because it's never happened to us before, just made me reflect on just the little things that we take for granted. So then how have you adapted to that? How have you changed your practices? Well, instead of praying at the masjid, I still pray at home. There's always benefit in it because at the same time, um, just more family time for me. That's, you know, one of the positives that has come out of it. But at the same time, as far as praying five times a day, that hasn't changed. It's just that camaraderie aspect of being able to pray with others in large gatherings of a similar faith. And that feeling is, that is a great feeling. Hard to get that at home, but at the same time, just fulfilling those prayers is good enough. Most people don't know what that feels like. Maybe describe for me just what that is like, you know, when we don't have COVID. It's one of the best feelings ever to start your day literally before work, before anything of just praying to God. And then afterwards, uh, usually the, the imam, the person who leads the prayer will give a short talk. He would either translate from the Quran or read a passage from the Hadith, uh, which is a saying of the Prophet Muhammad. Just to start off the day with those good vibes, that good advice, it's nothing like it. It's one of the best feelings I've ever experienced. To have hundreds of people in there praying at the exact same time, the exact same prayer, it is what most people look forward to, including myself. So to not have that is, is just interesting. It just feels like an emptiness. Is there a plan to move forward and actually bring everyone back together? Absolutely, yes. I've been a part of that. We are a very proactive group. Uh, we base our decisions off data, off science, and it's not something we're going to rush. We're not going to put our, we're not going to put the community at risk. And when I say community, I'm speaking everyone of all faiths. We have a responsibility to to make sure that we're doing our part to make sure that we tackle this pandemic. Have you been meeting on Zoom, or how have you used social media and and things like that technology? We do have virtual, like Arabic, the words khutbah, like a lecture. We have like a virtual lecture on Fridays and some Saturdays. So that's virtual, but the actual prayer isn't virtual, if, if that makes sense. That's either something we're going to do in person together or you do on your own. We've been having like conferences over Zoom, like actual conferences on different topics, uh, social justice in, in regards to the whole George Floyd situation. And we said, OK, how can we apply this to our community? How can we inform our community? So from there, we've we've had meetings uh, on just different topics to where we've had large numbers of people join in. But again, social media, it's its one thing, but it's just not the same as in person. We've talked about police brutality, racism, those sorts of things. But how, how has this year been? How has it really impacted folks? Definitely impacted our community. Starting with COVID and our place of worship being closed, that's one thing just because that's what makes our country unique in the world, freedom of religion, and not being restricted in any sense, and just developing that American pride, especially for many who come overseas. You see many people who have just come here, and you're not restricted on how to worship, or when you can worship, or where you can worship. That is a big reinforcement of our ideals here as a country. So to have that taken away is one thing. Now, the racial issues that we've had, the sensitive issues that we have had in this country on top of that, I 
is magnified everything. It's magnified the effects of COVID. It's it's put a huge magnifying glass on obviously race relations, but not just nationwide within our own community. Things we can fix amongst ourselves. Things we may be overlooking, but it's definitely had an impact on our community just because many people in our community are, are people of color. We have the virus, are we say, from then we have the issues of police brutality that many within our community want to know, are they safe and are their children safe? And those are tough questions to answer. That's a lot and all, and all at one time. I just spoke with um, Reverend Moses from the Calvary Baptist Church and he mentioned he's concerned how this is going to impact practicing your faith moving forward and whether people will come back to their places of worship. Is that something that you are concerned of in the Islamic Society of Greater Salt Lake? No, not at all. Actually, that's one thing I think everyone's looking forward to. Uh, when it's announced that the doors are going to open, I guarantee you it, it will be it will be filled. That's the special part about our, our religion. That's something we all look forward to, is going to the masjid. Like, that's our safe place. How do you see... COVID and everything we've gone through this year impacting the future of worship? So one of the biggest things within Islam is we understand that trials hit us. We understand that we're tested. We understand that we're going to go through some challenging times. And we understand that is a great time for us to evaluate our relationship with our Creator, to evaluate our relationship with God, to whom we refer to as Allah, which is what would translate in English as God. So we understand this is a time that we need to reflect on our worship and increase it. We understand within our religion, within what we're taught, that only God can ease this pain for us. Only God can ease these times for us. So this is a time for us to get on our knees and to raise our hands and to uh, ask for a cure, to ask for forgiveness, to ask for anything and everything that will make our society better. Every gathering I've been to, it hasn't just been a prayer for our the people of our faith. It's been a prayer for our community, for our state, for our nation, for our world, everybody. Because this pandemic's affecting everyone. It doesn't care your religious background, doesn't care your color. It's hitting us all. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us, Kamal. Coming up, we will speak with Pastor Josh Whitney of The Rock Church. Quarantined Faith with Maria Chileos. Join Maria every afternoon from 3 till 7 here on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Quarantine Faith. I am joined by Pastor Josh Whitney of the Rock Church. Pastor, describe for us what is unique about the Rock Church. We've been in Utah about 21 years. We try to be kind of a, a, a revolution in church. We have a we have contemporary worship. We have relevant messages that are related to what people are dealing with in their lives day to day. We have a worship band. People are super friendly. I'm proud to be part of it. It's been a it's been a good thing for my family and I to be involved with these last few years. Describe for me how COVID has impacted how you worship. I, I remember we had our regular services middle of March, and then by the following weekend, we had canceled all of our in-person services and moved everything online. We had been broadcasting or live streaming our services online prior to that, but it was a very small percentage of people. Most came to our in-person gatherings, so we canceled all the in-person gatherings in the middle of March, moved everything online from the middle of March all the way till the middle of June. 
So it was a number of months of exclusively online Zoom meetings, live streaming, all of that stuff. How did that impact the people in your community? I think some adapted to it pretty well. They would gather their family and they would turn on their Facebook Live or they would turn on the app or the website and they would watch the broadcast. I feel like some, have, it's just not what they're used to and so they've kind of disengaged and they're maybe not engaged like they should be. And I, I don't know that that's even exclusive to our community. I, I saw the other day a news story talking about over the last six months the rise in domestic violence and alcohol consumption and suicide hotline calls. And I think that there's a spiritual, mental aspect that it's just, it's important for people to be around other people. And so the isolation, some did well, some leaned into it. Some people have not done as well. And I think that's not unique to our community. I think that's across our whole culture right now. So what have you moved to now? What are you doing in person now? In June, we started to reopen. We did uh, social distancing and mask and cleaning and all of the procedures and all the health regulations. And about a third of our church came back and two-thirds continued to watch online. We decided to move our Sunday morning services out to the lawn. So we've done that the last couple months. We've been, we have a Saturday night service in the building and then we've had a Sunday morning service on our North Lawn. And more people have felt comfortable coming to that the last couple months. So that's been encouraging. Obviously, the weather is getting cold. So we've been talking about moving back inside and what that's going to look like. What are some of the challenges you've seen that people in your community have experienced as a result of COVID, possibly losing their jobs? Um, what have you been faced with as a pastor? There, there have been some people that have lost their jobs for sure. So we've tried to rally to help them. We've had some families that have gotten COVID. Fortunately, most of the cases have all been pretty mild. We've had, uh, like I said, that isolation. Some people have, have gathered in their home study trying to connect with people in parks or in backyards with kind of sitting around the fire pit and having conversations and praying for each other. And overall, I'm encouraged where our people are. I think that it has been a tough season for some, either financially or medically or even spiritually. How do you think that it's going to impact your community moving forward? I think of Jesus. He said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And so I think we are multidimensional. We've got our bodies and our minds and our spirits, and we have to think about how we can be strong and growing in all those areas. As I look down the road with our church, I think it's important that people are not, they're thinking about all those areas. How do I how do I take care of my health, my physical strength, but how do I take care of my spiritual strength? I think there will be a season here, Maria, where we continue to have the online portion. We have people that are watching online. We have some that are eager to re-engage, and they have been attending and re-engaging. you got to be helping the people that, for very good reasons, are concerned and don't want to come back. Well, how can we help them be growing spiritually? And those that are eager to be back, how can we be wise and careful and help them grow too. All right. As I've been talking to spiritual leaders, there are some that are concerned that people are going to get really comfortable with Zoom and may not completely return back to church. Yeah, that's been in our minds. I was talking to one friend of mine. He said, you know, I got used to that. Like I can just like sit down, turn it on, watch the message, participate in the worship and then turn it off and get back to my day. And he said, I realize now that I'm coming back to the in-person gatherings, there's that whole community piece before and after that I've missed for the last number of months. Because I, I realized that I can just get kind of the minimum. I, well, I got the teaching. I got the scriptures. I got the worship. And now I'm out. 
but he said it's kind of that pre and post fellowship community piece that he said is so important. He said, I didn't even realize that I was missing that until I was around some people again. Right. That connectedness portion, uh, especially important for young people. How would you yeah. describe how the young people in your community have been impacted? I think that there are some that are in the teenage years where they're they're forming these habits. We've got to make sure we're instilling the importance of faith in that community because that's kind of those formative years, those teenage years especially. We have a youth group that meets on Thursday night. We've had the vast majority of our families have re-engaged. We've been wearing masks and distancing and all that, but the, the youth were pretty excited to be back. We had our kickoff last week, and spontaneously there was like applause and excitement from all the youth because they were just excited to be back in the room. With, with their friends and peers. We've talked about the challenges. What, what do you maybe see as have been maybe the upsides, things that we've learned from, yeah. from COVID? That's a great question. I, my mind goes to the importance of that networked community. Church is not just like I show up, I participate, I go home. There has to be that 24-7, that community throughout the week. And so this season, I think, is strengthened for many, that aspect of who are the people that know me, that are in my life, that know what's going on in my marriage and my parenting and my work and my kids' school. And so I think that emphasis on that home, we call it like a Bible study or a home group meeting, is really important for that personal connection. I think that we have a very uh, faith-friendly or religious-friendly state here in Utah, and I think that's a tremendous blessing. We've received letters and communication from different government officials that says, you guys have constitutional freedom to practice your religion how you want. We're not going to tell you how to do it. Here's some health mandates that we'd love to have you consider. There's just been a, a totally different, very positive experience for us during this pandemic from our, our city and county and state officials, which has been really encouraging. Pastor Whitney, thank you for taking the time to share your experience with us today. As we have learned in the past hour, no matter what faith you practice, we have all shared the same uncertainty in 2020. It's been inspiring to learn how different groups have been keeping their faith alive. I'm Maria Shaleos. Thank you for listening. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.